My friends, no matter what title you all, my colleagues, have bestowed upon me, speaker, leader, whip, there is no greater official honor for me than to stand on this floor and to speak for the people of San Francisco. This I will continue to do as a member of the House, speaking for the people of San Francisco, serving the great state of California, and defending our Constitution. And with great confidence in our caucus, I will not seek re-election to Democratic leadership in the next Congress. For me, the hours come for a new generation to lead the Democratic caucus that I so deeply respect. And I'm grateful that so many are ready and willing to shoulder this awesome responsibility. Bye. It has been a run like few other American leaders have, you have to admit it. Nancy Pelosi giving up the gavel. I am not going to do juvenile stuff with it, you know, like immediately. I for The first thing I, well, I mean, just because I'm not going to do it doesn't mean I don't have a juvenile mind. Bye-bye. I thought about, you know, that, what is that, that song in uh, The Wizard of Oz? Ding dong, the witches, uh, whatever it is. I'm not going to do that. I'm none of that stuff. Ay, ay, ay. <laughs> Princess Whoa. Di will join us. We said we'd have Princess Di early. We're going to have her early and often this week. Princess Di is going to join us today to weigh in on the elections and the events of the day. There are other things that are going on. Uh, we have some very long sound bites that we're not going to be able to play the whole things because they're so long and our time together is so short. But Jim Jordan and the House are already up to it. They're already saying that they're going to investigate not only Joe Biden, not only the the Biden family that was front and center today, but also uh, they're going to hold the FBI to account. And there was also a funny exchange we may get to later between Hawley and FBI Director Ray. So if we have time, we'll look in that direction. But first, let us turn our attention to the wonderful state of Arizona. We haven't heard from Carrie Lake that much since the election. Folks, this is what Carrie Lake had to say today. Roger, Roger. Hey, Arizona, Carrie Lake here. I wanted to reach out to you to let you know that I am still in this fight with you. For two years, I've been sounding the alarm about our broken election system here in Arizona. And this past week has confirmed everything we've been saying. When we called for Katie Hobbs to recuse herself over a year ago, they ridiculed us. It turns out we were right. The fox was guarding the hen house, and because of that, voters have been disenfranchised. When we raised concerns, and I filed a lawsuit months ago to get rid of the electronic voting machines, they said we were crazy. Well, it turns out we were right. On Election Day, nearly half of all polling locations had problems with tabulating machines and printers. Malfunctioning tabulation machines force voters to wait in line for hours to exercise their sacred right to vote. I talked to voters who waited in line for hours. One man told me he went to a location and there was a three-hour line because the tabulators weren't working. He drove 15 miles to another location and the printers weren't working. He drove another 15 miles and was finally able to cast his vote, but he's not sure it counted. Our election officials failed us miserably. What happened to Arizonans on Election Day is unforgivable. 
Tens of thousands of Maricopa County voters were disenfranchised. Now, I am busy here collecting evidence and data. Rest assured, I have assembled the best and brightest legal team, and we are exploring every avenue to correct the many wrongs that have been done this past week. I'm doing everything in my power to right these wrongs. My resolve to fight for you is higher than ever. This movement started in Arizona, and it quickly expanded to all 50 states. It's a movement of mama bears and papa bears and students and Arizonans who love this country, who want secure borders, who want schools that prepare their children for the real opportunities that are out there. It's a movement of Arizonans who want safe streets once again and want the drug crisis to come to an end. It's a movement of Arizonans who want prosperity and the pursuit of happiness. That movement is stronger than it ever has been. And I can promise you one thing. This fight to save our republic has just begun. I love you, Arizona, and I love you, America. Carrie Lake, she's not done yet. Now, uh, Carrie Lake is going to have a very tough road to climb. I guarantee you that. Already in the mainstream press, they are saying, Carrie Lake, without evidence... Which is the usual line that these Pulitzer Prize winning folks over at the New York Times like to write. I uh, read an article by uh, uh, Gutenberg and I forgot the other reporter's name. And of course, it's, you know, they, they, they sneer down that there's no evidence to justify anything. It's all normal to them. All these, these comp- ah, normal stuff. And they don't want to acknowledge that there are problems. Well, there are problems. Now, I'm not saying that, that she's going to find the burden of proof that she needs. It's going to be a tough climb. But Carrie Lake is not tucking tail between legs and saying, oh, okay, okay, we're done. And there are a lot of people who are behind Carrie Lake and want to see Carrie Lake prevail. I happen to be one of them. We shall see whether that happens or not. James Goldman, A.K. Snurley, coming back. If you want to be part of the program, 800-848-WABC is the number to call, 800-848-9222. Back with Princess Di after this. What? I thought we're not going juvenile. Get him out. With the McDonald's app, you can get your favorite thing delivered to your door. So if you were looking for a reason to skip washing those dishes you left in the sink, consider this a sign. Right now, get $0 delivery fee with any purchase of $15 or more, only in the app. At participating McDonald's, minimum purchase excludes tax and service fees. Delivery prices may be higher than in restaurants. Other fees may apply, not valid with any other offer, discount, or coupon. This is The Rush Hour with Bose Nerdly on the Red Apple Podcast Network. It's time for Radio Royalty with James Golden and America's Princess of Policy, Princess Di. Your Highness, Your Majesty, I have been waiting for this moment. Oh, by the way, before before this brief note, uh, Princess uh, Don Jr. is going to be on with Cats right after our show, which ought to be interesting. Can't miss Donald, that. That yeah, can't wonderful. miss that. 
Donald Trump Jr. on with Cats at Night. That's coming up right after this show. Make sure to keep it here on WABC. And now, ladies and gentlemen, Her Highness. Boy, I would love to see what they would do with you if they had the crown. You know, if they could put you in an episode of the crown. You too, Sir James. You are the knight of the conservative world. Yeah, mm mm-hmm. Yeah, they'd have me in the trash basket in a minute. Okay. Oh, no. Okay, we haven't checked in with you since before the erection, uh, the elections. Oh, dear. Oh, dear. What is your take? Well, Well, you know, I think we did speak briefly, and I will repeat my main point, which is keep the faith. And they want us dispirited, and they want us to take ourselves out of the game by saying, what's the use? And we can never, ever do that. We have to remember what Rush would have told us at this moment, which is it is never time to panic, and now is certainly not the time to panic. We are to double down, triple down, quadruple down on the truth and what we know. And I just wanted to say in response to that little uh, soundbite on Pelosi— I want to quote Mitch McConnell. What? And he's, I, I want to quote <laughs> Mitch McConnell. And on November 16th, before his leadership election, he said this, I have the votes. I will be elected. And I just wanted to respond, how nice for him that he has votes that he believes in, he can count on, and the election in his mind is has full of integrity. So it must be nice. Ooh, very interesting. And he did win uh, the leadership for the ninth time, uh, 37 to 10. Rick Scott got 10. This was his first challenge. And he won, uh, apparently, there were a couple not votes because there are 50 of them, but 37 to 10 and one voted present. But there's still two more unaccounted for. But he won handily because you only need... A, a pure majority with a, a secret vote. So he is in, and he is, in my opinion, one of the reasons why, one of the main obstacles for our success going forward. But we have to see clearly, and one of the good things that has happened is, you know, Mr. McPhail, the leadership McPhail's, uh, have become very open. We have a uniparty against us. And it's no longer in the stealth on the Republican side. And I think that is very helpful. We have clarity who our opponents are, and they are basically not hiding it anymore. And so when we know who we are, we know who our opponents are, and then we have the truth on our side, then nothing can stop us if we remember to trust in the living God. Now, which is always sound advice, I must tell you, uh, you started something with McPhail. You, you introduced the concept of we have to get rid of the McPhails. You call them uh, McCarthy, McConnell, and uh, 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 McDaniel. Uh, McDaniels, the McPhails. I have now seen that. In, they're swiping your lines. I've seen it in story <laughs> after story. People are beginning to call them the McPhails. And it's a great they line. It. Yeah, they it's did a great, earn it. Yeah, I've seen it in any number of news stories on the uh, conservative side since then. All right, yeah, what I meant to say earlier is that we haven't talked since the election and Congress had been settled, finally. 
with with the House of Representatives now turning over control to the Republicans. Now, this morning, um, you know, Kevin, what we'll do is just play part of it because it's so lengthy. Let's go to cut two. Diana, listen in and let's let's hear this. One of the things that came from a GOP announcement this morning. Roger, Roger. ...with his family about their business dealings. That was a lie. Whistleblowers described President Biden as chairman of the board for these businesses. He personally participated in meetings and phone calls. Documents show that he was a partner with access to an office. To be clear, Joe Biden is the big guy. This evidence raises troubling questions about whether President Biden is a national security risk and about whether he is compromised by foreign government. Despite the president's claim that he wasn't involved in Biden family business schemes, these photos show Joe Biden meeting with his family associates while vice president. Many Republicans have identified over 50 countries the Biden family sought businesses in. On the international side of the Biden family business, the deals were often led by Hunter Biden. And that map there behind Clay shows all the countries where the Bidens had a footprint in international business dealings. The investigation reveals a family that engaged with some of America's most powerful adversaries, planning to sell one of the largest sources of cobalt for electric vehicles. The Chinese, for example, the Bidens flourished and became millionaires by simply offering access to the family. Okay, this goes on for over six minutes. And then, and then, Jim Jordan Let's go to cut four very briefly and listen, because you asked Jim Jordan, Diana, specifically, what was going to happen after the election. He was wrong with both of us. And you asked him, well, Jim Jordan spoke to the press today, and this is what Jim Jordan had to say. I would just start with this question. What part of Mr. Comer's presentation was Russian disinformation? I mean, never forget what happened on October 19th, 2020, 15 days before the most important election we have in our country. Who's going to be the next president of the United States? 15 days before that, Mr. Brennan, Mr. Clapper and 49 other people signed a letter that said the following. It is for these reasons that we write to say that the arrival on the U.S. political scene of emails purportedly belonging to Vice President President Biden's son, Hunter, has all the classic earmarks of a Russian information operation. They further went on to say, we want to emphasize that we do not know if the emails provided to the New York Post are genuine or not, just that our experience makes us deeply suspicious that the Russian government played a significant role in this case. And, of course, that letter became the pretext for suppressing this story, again, just days before the most important election we have in our country. So I would ask this, was J.P. Morgan's suspicious activity report to the Treasury Department was that just a classic earmark of a Russian information operation? How about when Hunter Biden sent the email that Mr. Comer pointed to, sent the email asking for keys to his new office space, one for himself, one for President Biden, one for his uncle Jim Biden, and one for the emissary for the chairman of the Chinese energy company, CFCC. Was that just Russian disinformation operation in place? What part of Mr. Comer's presentation prompted the FBI to go to Facebook and say, hey, 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 you want to be on the lookout for Russian misinformation here this election season? What part of his presentation would prompt that? And I think it's also important to understand, never forget how this story has changed. I mean, think about this. When it started off, it was, no, it's not his laptop. 
It's not his laptop. Then it was, well, it's his laptop, but remember, it's Russian disinformation and no one did anything wrong. Then it was, well, maybe, maybe he did something wrong, but President Biden didn't know about it. And now it's, well, maybe President Biden knew about it and was involved, but it, it didn't influence his decisions. In fact, yesterday, there was a story in Politico which said that. The story in Politico yesterday investigating the investigators' dim strategist to launch counterpunch to House GOP. Story in Politico yesterday, here's what I said in there. Quote, no evidence has publicly emerged that Joe Biden's decisions were affected by his son's business dealings. Okay. Wow. Diana, it looks like these guys are actually intent on, well, perhaps, maybe, maybe they might be investigating. What's your take on this, Diana, Princess Di? Well, I agree with you. That's what they're going to do. And it's up to conservative sources, actually, to cover it because the media has learned an effective strategy and they learned it with Donald Trump is to ignore everything. And if you remember, just about two weeks ago, Jim Jordan came out with a thousand pages just ripping the lack of honor and integrity in the FBI and the DOJ. A thousand pages, he had the receipts, everything about it was devastating, and it really just, there was hardly, it was crickets afterwards. So similarly, he's got the goods here, and you know how dirty Hunter Biden et al. are, but the problem is, if, you know, the tree falls in the forest and no one hears it, doesn't make a sound. If, if dirt is uncovered and malfeasance is uncovered and the media basically whistles into the sky and walks away, has it really been uncovered? And so that really behooves conservative media to step up because there are a lot of us and this has got to be covered. And, and unfortunately, I remember under the Clintons, they literally ignored the power of the House when the Republicans in 94 came into power. They had a lot of hearings, and the, and the Clinton administration attitude to it was to make fun of it, as, you know, Biden just did, called the investigation close to comedy. That was his re- reaction to uh, the reports of this supposed looking into his family. And so that's what they're going to do. They're going to laugh at it on the one hand and say, but Trump or, you know, they have no evidence that, as you mentioned, a very effective strategy without evidence, the Republicans say X. So I think it really behooves the conservative media because we out here have to be informed and tell our neighbors. Okay. Now, what are you expecting are, are you expecting anything by way of these congressional hearings, like, let's say, subpoenas to be issued? Subpoenas, especially from the House, put together a committee with subpoena power, the same way the Jan 6 committee uh, started going after, for instance, will we see Joe Biden subpoenaed? Will we? I know that that creates um, a, a constitutional problem, but will we see it anyway? Will we see Hunter Biden? see um anything by way of looking into these elections we this is a little slim window and i guarantee you that 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 what we're going to get from establishment republicans is oh would you people stop looking backwards we need to look forward that's going to be the attitude that we're and we're going to be hearing that stop looking back look forward 
But I think it's imperative that we do examine these things. What say you? Well, I think we do have to examine them. However, the subpoena question is you have to have, you know, as the January 6th committee had the Department of Justice back up the subpoenas. And so that's what gave them teeth. I think they'll be ignored from the House committee as they did under Clinton and under Obama. They laughed at it. So I think that, you know, knowing that the only weapon that I think is really available is public dissemination of the information. And that has to be their main goal because they don't have the Biden Department of Justice doing their bidding. (laughs) Okay, let's turn our attention to Nancy Pelosi being gone. This is supposedly the tea leaves say that Steny Hoyer, 83 years old, is going to be pushed out. Hakeem Jeffries from New York, demagogue from New York, is going to be the new House uh, minority leader since they will no longer have the speakership. And that there's also, if it's not uh, Jim Jeffries, people are also talking about that woman from uh, Washington, uh, uh, Pramila um, Jayapal, as a potential leader. And James Clyburn, apparently Clyburn wants some position other than, hey, he's Nancy Pelosi's driver and assistant this time around, driving Miss Nancy. So what do you expect to happen by way of the Democrats? Well, you know, any of those choices will be inferior to her as far as being able to scheme. And first of all, she's not going anywhere. If you remember reading through it, she's still going to be in Congress. She's there as a mentor. She's still going to be pulling the strings. She is still going to be giving her opinion. But if you recall, you had asked me about the Hakeem Jeffries thing, and I said I thought it was going to be Clyburn because he was the one who leaked the information that that Jeffries was looking for it and hoping for it, and that was very embarrassing. So of those three, I think it's likely to be Clyburn, and he is canny. But in the meantime, it's still going to be Nancy Pelosi running things. Wow. Well, Princess Di, installment number one. We will speak with you tomorrow. We've got a lot more to explore. You and I haven't even talked about the Kerry Lake thing in in depth. want to talk about that. In Pennsylvania, it might surprise everybody. In Pennsylvania, there was an arrest for what? Massive voter fraud by by the Democrat. And he arrested another Democrat. Strange. Strange. Yeah, we'll talk about that tomorrow if we have time. There are some things. Did you see they found ballots by the side of the highway and they're still counting them? (laughs) (laughs) In Pennsylvania? They they were all crumpled in a pile and they they said, oh, yeah, well, we should still count them. (laughs) In in Pennsylvania? I think this was California. In California? Yeah. Yeah, Princess Di, with no evidence, (laughs) cites to... This was a local news story out of California with the photos, and yeah, it really happened, and they're really counting them. Well, thank goodness you're not an NBC reporter reporting that, because they'd suspend you. (laughs) They would, and then erase all evidence of anything I said. (laughs) Yes, except it's still on the local station, that Paul Pelosi story, and which I know we have to break. We'll break right now. But, you know, the funny thing about the Paul Pelosi story, this guy was a star reporter for NBC. He's an yep. Hispanic man. In other words, he's a person of color. And they just mm-hmm. got rid of him. And nobody's saying squat. It's like, oh, yeah, we yeah. I know why. He crossed the line. <laughs> <laughs> Princess Di, ladies and gentlemen, we're coming back. Your telephone calls 800 
848-WABC. Oh, ding dong, the witch is gone now, which hit the road. We'll be back. Thank you, Princess Di. Thank you, Sir James. What you say? Hit the road, Jack. And don't you come back no more, no more, no more, no more. Hit the road, Jack. And don't you come back no more. Bye-bye. This is The Rush Hour with Bo Snurdly on the Red Apple Podcast Network. Gordon Lightfoot, whose birthday it is today, the Canuck, Gordon Lightfoot. I can see her lying back in her satin dress, in a room where you do what you don't confess. Sundown, you better take care if I find you've been creeping around my backstairs. Sundown, you better take care. Don't you watch the, uh, Dave Chappelle? I didn't Saturday Night Live? I, I, I missed Dave. I read about it on SNL. Apparently he ticked some people off. Well, Jerry Seinfeld might be offended. Why? What do you say? He said um, he felt that the uh, monologue dealt with a, quote, subject matter that provokes conversation. I think he did the com- I think the comedy was well executed, but I think the subject matter calls for a conversation that I don't think I'd want to have in this venue. When asked if it made him feel uncomfortable, the former sitcom star said... It provokes a conversation, which hopefully is productive. That's as good as I can do for a quote of Jerry Seinfeld. Also, Jerry Seinfeld wants to have a conversation. He thinks it provokes a conversation. I hope in that conversation, Jerry mentions, well, who was the guy that played um, th- that tall guy on his show? That uh... Kramer? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Michael Richard, oh, guy. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Uh, so in that All conversation, right. are we going to talk about that guy throwing around the <laughs> N-word? It, that definitely is grounds for a conversation. I, yeah, do you think that... Hey, hey Jerry! Hey, Jerry! Jerry! Are we going to have a conversation about the N-word, too, Jerry? Oh, cricket. A lot of things to talk about. Yeah, it's going to be a pretty deep conversation, I'd say, huh? Huh. He wants to have a conversation. Speaking of conversations... Hey, Kev... Um, um, let's talk vacations. Okay. Can we, can we talk vacations here? Let's, let's talk about, let's talk about vacations. Okay. Everybody like, do you like to go on vacation? I very much do. Yes. Yeah. Scott, do you like to go on vacation? I, uh, I enjoy a good vacation. Yes. You enjoy a good vacation. I haven't been on vacation and I don't know when, but I enjoy vacations too. Who's screening today? That would be Rich Fields. Rich Fields is screening hey, Rich. today. How you doing, Rich? Yeah, I'm good on this Thursday afternoon. Good. Do you like vacations, Rich? The few things I love more than vacations. Everybody here, we're all in agreement. We love vacations. We lo- I don't take them, but we love vacations. So I want you, you know who else loves vacations? Who else loves vacations? The FBI guy, the head of the FBI. Let's oh. listen to cut number six, Senator Hawley, with Christopher Ray. The topic is vacation time. I think the last time that I got to visit with you was 
back in August, August 4th of this year, you were at the Senate Judiciary Committee. You remember that, I assume. We had to cut that hearing short. We were supposed to do two rounds of questions. You said you had to be somewhere, so we cut it short. Republicans were not able to ask a second round as we had been informed we would. The press reported shortly thereafter that the reason that the hearing had to be cut short is because you were flying on a Gulfstream jet for a personal vacation in the Adirondacks. Please tell me that's not accurate. Senator, the hearing was cut short, was not cut short from my experience. We had agreed beforehand on the time and, and, uh, and length of it. And my, I was very surprised to find that the, any man on the committee was surprised. Surprise. Uh, as to how I, uh, fly, Surprise. I am required not only on that $50 million dollar plane. required to fly, uh, on, uh, an FBI plane uh, wherever uh, I go. That's so, so you were going on vacation? I was, yes. I was, so yes. you left a statutorily required oversight hearing in order to go on a personal vacation in the Adirondacks? I took a flight I, to go visit my family. I, as had been previously arranged in conjunction no, no, with no. the leadership of the committee. The ranking <laughs> member, Chuck Grassley, asked you during the hearing, he said, I assume you must have other business. You said, yes. He then said, if you have a business trip, you've got your own plane, can't it wait a while? He then said, Chuck Grassley, we only just heard half an hour ago that now you have to leave. We were going to have a seven-minute round followed by a three-minute round. I've got seven people on my side of the aisle, that included me, who are waiting for this additional round. Is there any reason we can't accommodate them for 21 minutes? And you said you had a plane to catch. You had somewhere to go. And now we find out it was for vacation? The, the reference to other business was not a reference to that day. It was a reference to the following week where Senator Grassley and I were going to see each other in Iowa when I had other business. In what? Iowa, and I did, in fact, see him then. So wait, you had to leave the hearing early because you had, you're had you going to see him later in Iowa in a week? No, I had to leave uh, when I said I was going to have to leave, as had been previously organized with the leadership of the <laughs> you, you left an oversight hearing before the Senate Judiciary Committee required by statute so you could vacation with your family. I find that absolutely unbelievable and, frankly, indefensible. Now, Man, yeah, 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 I went on vacation. Yeah, it was only Republicans I stiffed. What are you complaining about? I didn't stiff any Democrats. I wouldn't stiff any Democrats, but it's you stinking Republicans. And, 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 and we don't need no stinking badges at the FBI anymore anyway. I have my own FBI plane. I'll go when I want to go. Screw you. You're just Republicans. And you better watch out because I still have some of JF, J, I still have some of J. Edgar Hoover's files, pal. Pal. And then you, you don't know what we might have now. There was another senator that spoke up this afternoon. You know this senator. Why? It's Senator Rand Paul. And now let's listen to this little tidbit. Cut seven. Cut seven. Rand Paul uh, was speaking with the same guy, the FBI director. And here's how that sounded. FBI obtaining anonymous social media data and then using technical methods to pierce the anonymous nature of the data. Anonymous social media data? So you purchase data. People purchase data all the time, and we sort of tolerate it for advertisings and things because it's anonymous data. Are you purchasing what is said to be anonymous data through the marketplace 
and then anonymous using the anonymous data? nature to attach individual names to What if I data. get caught in now? Right. But when you asked about anonymous data, I was thinking more in terms of... Um, no, I'm uh, talking about data that is out there. Let me try to stall this purchasing out. Purchasing data and then mm. piercing the anonymous nature of that data. So the manner in which we use, uh, we usually use the term commercial data... Um, yeah, let me uh, try to probably you know, longer than I could explain out. here. But again, let me have a have a. Uh, so you 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 are, you are prepared, you me. will not answer the question of whether or not you're attaching names to anonymous data. I think it's a more complicated answer than I can. It's give. more complicated. I can't yeah, admit yeah, to it. Yeah, yeah. We're over two with getting you to answer this, but you're pledging you will actually answer the question because you have to realize the frustration. We'll write you a letter, and your team of lawyers will write back fifteen page letter that says nothing, and you won't answer the question. These are very specific. This is whether you're obeying the law, whether we can have confidence. I want to have confidence in the evidence. We are obeying the law. Well, you're saying that, but we won't tell us the answer. I said So, so would, you have to no, say I, yes. That's not what yes, I said. No, you aren't telling me the answer. And the answer is, are you collecting data not compelled by a warrant? That would not be in compliance with the law, but you won't answer that you're not collecting that data. I, I said two things. One, we're following the law, and second, that we would have somebody follow up with you with more detailed specific So those are two specific questions. Are you getting data from them that's not compelled, and then are you piercing the anonymous nature of that technically? You notice how the head of the FBI can't ever answer a question straight? You notice how this guy gets tripped up? By simple questions. Well, uh, yeah, I left early, but, uh, yeah, I know I said I had other business to do, but, uh, uh, that other business was supposed to be the next week. I was, uh, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I was gonna meet with Grassley. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna in Iowa. And, uh, but Senator, that's not the reason you stated when you left our oversight hearing. Well, this guy, Christopher Ray, why is he still in charge of the FBI? Simple. Simple answer. Because they want him there. And who is they, you ask? This administration. Anybody else would be almost too embarrassed to show their face. This guy can sit up and smile and talk out of both sides of his mouth at the same time, and there's nothing new about it. Your calls are coming up next. James Golden. Oh, by the way, Don Jr. is going to be rescheduled. I know I said he'll be on next hour. That has to be rescheduled. Something came up there. Uh, it will be rescheduled with Cats at Night. So anyway, keep it right here on WABC Talk Radio 77. We are coming back. Your calls are coming, 800-848-9222, right after this. This is The Rush Hour with Bo Snurdly on the Red Apple Podcast Network. Elton John brings us back on WABC. You know what? In 1970, Elton John performed a live studio concert. WABC-FM Radio in New York, which you might know as WPLJ, aired it live. That album was Elton John's first live album, 11-17-70. And those of you that were listening to PLJ, well, to WABC-FM back then, heard it. Heard the concert live. 
I saw Elton live. I saw him a few times. Oh, well, the most memorable time I saw Elton John live was at Rush Limbaugh's wedding. And that was an amazing story how Rush and Elton hooked up. So, And Rush asked him if he would perform at his wedding with Catherine, and he did. And it was at the Breakers in Florida, and it was a... It was amazing. It was a two-hour show. Elton, just Elton. But he had everything like he had. He played piano. He sang. But all the rest of the tracks were already pre-recorded. So everything, it was awesome. Elton turned it out. It was so wonderful. Telephone time. Let's go to Central Jersey and Steve. Welcome you on WABC Talk Radio 77 with Bo Snurdy. How are you, Steve? Hey, Mr. Bo James. Good to talk to you again. Straight to the point. When it was announced the other night, just before Trump spoke, that the uh, Republicans took the House, first thing I said to myself, ding dong, the wicked witch is gone. <laughs> no, no. Trump, I, I told Mr. Call Screener, go back to Trump's speech afterwards. Didn't he say something? Nancy's flying somewhere. Did I get it right or no? I, I think it, I think it was something like that. <laughs> what do you think he? <laughs> do you think he, he had the same thing on his mind? <laughs> what do you? Think? I don't know. Well, you know what? I, what I and I I posted this earlier on my Twitter feed. I wonder if Nancy Pelosi is still going to be flying those government jets back and forth to California now that she's not <laughs> speaker. No, 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 no. She is. She's one of those that has her own plane, thanks to the government, thanks to tax players. She doesn't have to ride with the commoners. So she can just, you know, she doesn't. So, you know, anyway, Nancy Pelosi, yeah, Diana indicated she's still going to be in the background pulling strings. So I don't know whether we've seen the last of Nancy Pelosi yet. Yeah, yeah. Let them eat cake. Can I comment? I, I can comment on two other things I've heard afterwards. Would you like me to? Quickly, because we have other calls okay. we got to get to. The Pennsylvania, the thing Diane brought up about the Pennsylvania fraud. No, you did. I'm sorry, you did. Doesn't that tie in with what the the Fox the Fox military commentator said on the Cats Roundtable on Friday? Remember what he said? McInerney, I think's his name, right? Mm-hmm. He, he believed there was right. Did I get him wrong? Mm-hmm. We're all right in the middle of uh, Cold War, the Cold War Two, mm-hmm. World War Three cyber attack. He believes there's some election fraud going on by, mm. by China. There's no think? credible evidence to support that. If I were a Newsmax, I'd just cut you off right now. They cut off. Uh, what you, Kevin Sorbo was on Newsmax, and he said he thought they were I, cut him off. Goodbye. Um, what else? What's the other thing? Let's not talk about fraud with no evidence. You have no evidence that there was fraud. There's never any evidence that there is fraud ever. Shame shit. I, I have to look. I have to. I, I, I voted for President Trump twice. I'll vote for him again. Let, let us not forget, though, he's got to avoid mistakes like appointing Christopher Ray to the FBI. Would you agree, Mr. Bojan? I would wholeheartedly agree. Drain the swamp. Thank you, Steve. Appreciate the call. Let us go to Jerry in New Jersey. Jerry, how are you this afternoon? You're on James Golden, a.k.a. Snurley. What's up, Jerry? 
I feel like I know you. I've been listening to Limbaugh from day one because it so happens I was born the same month and a day after he came on the air. Wow, awesome. Uh, so, but, but what I want to speak about, McDaniels should have been gone after we lost the two presidents, the two uh, senators in 2000. And the fact that she's still there is really a disaster. As for McConnell, there's no difference between McConnell and Biden. They're cut from the same, the same sheet of garbage. To put May I time. read you a headline that just broke a few moments ago at 3.22 p.m. this afternoon? Mulling RNC chair, Gnome says GOP needs to see what we can do better in wake of disappointing election. RNC chair McDaniel may face competition as she seeks a fourth two-year term. And the person that is considering that challenge is none other than South Dakota Governor Christy Nome. Well, well, and well. That would be awesome. Go, Christy, go. So that's a story that just came out this afternoon. Well, just, just moments ago, actually, within the hour. And we'll see how far it goes. Thank you so much, Jerry, for the call. Let us go to Staten Island and Gary. Gary, you're up next. Biden wants to spend another $37 billion, with a B, on Ukraine. Uh, past 48 hours, we had a World War III threat over a false claim of a hit on Poland. Um, and uh, the Wall Street Journal published a poll that indicated half Republicans, God bless them, think that we're wasting too much money on this Ukraine uh, prelude to World War III situation. Uh, and uh, I can go on and on. Well, I will that? tell you this. I think that especially if you add FTX in the mix. And by the way, we did a podcast today with James Eisenberg of Interblock Capital, who is one of the most knowledgeable people about blockchain, crypto, and all you folks, if you're at all interested in this FTX thing, we spent the entire podcast dissecting FTX and what it means for now and the future. You All the podcast on WABC, The Future Is Now is the name of that podcast. FTX was it. FTX, there are allegations that some of that money ended up in circular fashion over to Ukraine and then back over here in the pockets of some politicians. Hmm. Hmm, I say. Hmm. Folks, this FTX scandal is huge. You mentioned Ukraine. Ukraine is just a small part of it, but there are people asking all kind of questions about Ukraine. And also, just to mention, oh, Putin is there. Putin, Vladimir Putin, is still suffering military losses that are, some say, crippling. And this is a time to actually try to move to take Vladimir Putin, Putin out of power. But all too soon. And all too soon, that's our program for today. We will be back tomorrow, ladies and gentlemen. It is tomorrow's Friday rush hour. How quickly the week goes by. Princess Di will join us. Also, Grover Norquist is going to join us tomorrow as well. So that ought to be a quite interesting presentation, we hope. Remember, jamesgolden.com, pick up the Daily BS, twice-a-day news blast. We'll be back tomorrow at 4.
May God bless and protect each and every one of you and your families. We'll see you tomorrow. Oh, well, there we go again. Well, if she's gone, we can only say this. Bye.